0: that you would have your hand upon this service entirely. Lord, we give it to you. Lord, as, as these families have come and, and uh, we desire to give our children to you for your use, Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow there to be a sincerity of heart, a, a, a genuineness of mind, and Lord, an, an openness to receive what you would have for us. And so Lord, we pray that you would speak to each and every believer today. Lord, i pray for even maybe the unbeliever who would be here this morning may you identify exactly who it is that you would have to speak to today uh, a- along with blessing these families that have come this morning lord bless us now we pray and ask in jesus name amen well thank you pastor and i do want to say thank you for allowing me to come today i guess the uh, pastor wanted to get someone that thinks like a child and uh, to relate to uh, children on Baby Dedication Day. But what a great opportunity. And I do, I appreciate that Sunday school lesson, Brother Anderson, where are you at? There you are back there. Uh, Great lesson, Uh, what a great subject that is. It fits well with the day, kind of the theme that we're going to have all day today. Let me put a plug in for tonight. Want to encourage you to be here tonight. Uh, We're gonna be dealing a lot there tonight with the marriage relationship. Do you realize, mom, dad, One of the greatest things you can do for your children is to love one another. One of the greatest things you can do to point them to Christ is to love one another. Of course, love God. And we'll talk about that. And if you would, take your Bibles and turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6 as well as also in Ephesians chapter 6. You know, there's a preacher. He got up in the pulpit to preach one Sunday and he had a band-aid on his face and he apologized for having a band-aid. He said, well, uh, this morning I was thinking of the sermon while I was shaving and I cut my face. After church that day, the uh, treasurer found a note in the offering plate and it said, uh, why don't you try thinking about your face and cut the sermon next time. <laughs> and so I'm going to try to keep it short and uh, simple. And, uh, but, as, but also understand this, there's nothing more important than what is in this book for you and I. This is God's Word. Look, if you want to know how to be the kind of man you ought to be, you're going to find that in the Word of God. If you want to know how to be the type of woman that God wants you to be, and we heard that in the Sunday school hour, it's going to be in the Word of God. If you want to be the kind of teenager, the kind of young person, it's in the Bible. The Bible is our compass. It's our northern star. It gives us the direction in life. It'll never set us wrong. The world around us may be in chaos and confusion. It's a mess. But Jesus is our northern star. He is our compass. And we follow him. And you'll never go wrong. So I stay in the word of God. And in the Deuteronomy, we'll read that in just a moment. But we're talking about this important fact. Parents, you may not have much wealth. You may not have thousands of acres of land to leave your children but the greatest thing you can leave them is your faith you know what a joy it is I remember my mother it always troubled her she said I wished I had something to leave you children and she had eight of us it's a wonder she even lived as long as she did Uh, we were pretty rough on her but eight of us and I can remember I told her I said mom you have left us with something money cannot buy You have left us with not only the knowledge that when you die, you're going to be with the Lord. What a blessing that is, to stand at the grave of a loved one and say, I'll see you later. This is not final farewell, but also just the example of God's love, of a a faith that is real. And so don't think that you're shortchanging your children because you don't have all the things To give them, if you do, that's great. But along with that, more important than that is pass along your faith. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. What is the goal of parenting? Former President George H. Bush Bush was asked this question. He says, what is the greatest accomplishment in your life, Mr. Bush? And uh, President Bush, he might have mentioned his success during World War II as flying as a Navy pilot. He, um, he could have recalled to mind his eight years as vice president under Ronald Reagan. He could have mentioned his own successful presidency. And he also could have mentioned his years as U.S. ambassador to China or being the head of the CIA. He had a lot of things to be accomplished or his accomplishments during uh, Operation Desert Storm. And, but when answering this question, President Bush revealed his heart as well as his priorities listen to his words he said my greatest accomplishment is that my children still come to see me well that's great wonderful my children still come to see me they want to come now our goal what is our goal parents our goal should be the same goal that god has for our children do you realize today that god has entrusted those children into our hands that they were given to us by God. And our goal should be to return them to the Lord and to train them. Here's, in fact, look, if you're in there in Deuteronomy, look in Deuteronomy chapter 6. I was going to start reading at verse 6, but let me have you go back to verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Of course, this is addressed to Israel, but folks, we know this is the word of God. It's inspired. It's applicable for you and I. And so we can put ourselves in there. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. There's a key. If you, Mom, Dad, if you will love God, as it says here in verse 5, with uh, all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, things are going to fall in place. And you're going to be the example you ought to be because if that's our motivation is that I love God why do I want to come to church because I love God why do you want to tithes? because I love God why do you want to train up your children in the ways of the Lord because I love God and of course we know he loves us but let's read down down through these verses verse 6 and these words shall I command thee this day shall be in thine heart and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children that was mentioned in the sunday school hour as well it's not something that we can just assume they're going to pick up we need to teach them what was that word did you catch it what was it diligently can you say that take some work it doesn't just happen we can't have this attitude well i'll send my kids to sunday school and they will teach them the word of god pastor miller will teach them the word of god they ought to yes that's true but Mom, Dad, it's your responsibility to teach them the Word of God. And do it diligently. And look, at, it goes on, it says this, and shalt talk of them when thou walkest, or sittest, excuse me, in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. Everywhere we go. I remember going in someone's home. In fact, they were having some strange things happening in the home. And they said, Pastor, we don't know what's going on, but I won't go through all that happened there. But I remember going through room after room in that house. I walked into the teenage girl's room and I saw things that should never, be, especially someone that would claim, claim to be a Christian, should never be on their walls. I saw uh, CDs and things of music that never should be listened to by a Christian for sure. And, and so here's what I think this verse is saying. Everything in our home should point to God the things on the wall should point to God now I'm not saying we we come in and we're going to have like we're doing a church service that's going to be at home no we have fun at home it's it's a a haven of rest it's a place to come and feel safe but it ought to point to God there ought not be nothing on the wall there ought not be anything on the walls that that uh, would point away from God and so think about it. there ought not be anything that's said everything's said. And, and we could, as the New Testament tells us, we can do all things to his glory. And that's the way it ought to be. Well, then also training up them. Look, if you're, you have your finger there in Ephesians chapter 6, look there at verse 4, just part of that verse. Train them the ways of the Lord, their duty before him. It says, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so to raise, this is God's goal for your children. That we teach them the word of God. That we train them and how they should live, and what they should do, how they should talk. And that uh, also in Malachi, it says that he might seek a godly seed. God's goal is for your children, my children, to be believers in him, followers of him. Raise up a godly seed. Um, you know, we're here for uh, baby dedication There was a little boy he his little brother got dedicated that particular sunday morning and uh, on the way home his little baby brother was dedicated they were driving home and little johnny sat in the back seat and he was crying and his father asked him two or three times said son what's the matter and he wouldn't answer and finally the third time he says dad said that preacher said we need to live in a christian home and i want to go live with you guys and uh, because apparently their home wasn't quite christian and uh, so he was a little concerned about that but folks listen i don't know where you are as a parent a grandparent but if you're a born-again believer this is what god wants you to do how do we do this how do we uh train up our children how do we uh, cause them to to walk in his ways or strive to have them live in living for the lord four goals here first of all We should strive to build some of these things in the lives of our children. Number one, very simple, character. Character. Character is something that's missing in our society greatly. A character doing right because it's right. What do you do behind closed doors when no one knows? What would you do if you could do anything you wanted to do and no one would ever find out? That will reveal your character characters doing right our prayer our desire for our children is ought to be that they become more like Jesus Christ I know dads we like to see our sons be like us but uh, more important is that they be like Jesus Christ that that they display the character of God in their lives that doesn't just happen as we saw in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4 The whole verse says and ye fathers provoke not your children to wrath you know dads yeah sons like to have a dad that's strong that's true but what they need when you're at home with them is tenderness is your love they don't need somebody to push them around and 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 just be mean to them that's not that's not at all what god wants us to do we got to be tender show love to them i'm not saying uh, discipline we'll talk about that in a moment. But, um, but definitely, uh, we are teaching the character of God, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Now, that word admonition means to call, call attention to, reprove, to gently, uh, it implies here that the idea of training by word, again, teaching, takes some time. You know, we can, we can teach about God everywhere we go. You're out there on the lake fishing. Boy, God's all around us. All of his creation. Bring God into every conversation. Just, it's just natural. Use, you know, as you read the Bible, you'll see a lot of, of object lessons that even Jesus used. Do the same as you're going along. I remember, how many of you have ever been to the ark down there? Is it in Kentucky? Is it? Okay, so some of you have. You remember that huge door that they have there? The door of the ark? First thing I thought of when I saw that, was really a great looking door, but was that's a great object lesson. Jesus Christ is the door to heaven. Think about uh, old Judas who actually kissed the door of heaven but died and went to hell. Oh, God forbid that our children would be that close to sitting under the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God and not go to heaven. You see, we have a lot, of, a lot to do with that, don't we? We need to work at bringing them to Jesus Christ, training them by word. Now, there's three attributes here of the Lord that we ought to teach our children. First of all, holiness. I know that's a word today that is foreign to many. Holiness? preacher, don't you understand? We're living in a century where Uh, teenagers can't be holy people really can't be oh wait a minute God says we can what does he say be ye what holy for as or uh, for I am holy he says be holy for I am holy God says we can be now it signifies a separation um, from the world to God separation from sin to God this attribute develops a hatred for sin. You see, when, we have, uh, uh, when we're striving to be holy as God is holy, we, we begin to have the same view of sin that God has. We, we, begin, we become more convicted of sin. We have a stronger conviction when it comes to what's right and what's wrong. By the way, moms, dads, we ought to be teaching our children what is right and what is wrong. I know in our society, the lines have become so blurred. There is no absolutes, but God's word still stands. And if they're going to be the kind of man they ought to be, the kind of woman they ought to be, they need to know, thus saith the Lord, this is right, this is wrong. Be very clear on that. And then there's also the word or, or the characteristic of righteousness. Now, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, when I talk about myself, I don't use that word. You know, we're all sinners, right? There's none that doeth right. There's no, no one that does right all the time. No one's perfect. But we are to strive for righteousness. Again, living right. That attribute, you know, understanding that God is righteous. He's right all the time. God never makes mistakes. You know what that's going to help develop in the heart and mind of your child? that when bad things do happen they're not going to get bitter about it they're going to say you know what God's still good God's still right and I know that all things will work together for the good to them that love God and to them who are the called according to his purpose then one more love this attribute it develops salvation for God so loved the world you ever put your name in there for God so loved Randy that he gave his only begotten son, that if Randy believeth in him, he should not perish, but have everlasting life. Put your child's name in there. Let them know that God loves them. Again, I remind you, these characteristics really can't be taught effectively unless we're living them before them. Yes, they ought to be taught verbally, but our words are cheap if that's all it is, is what we're saying and we're not doing. Be doers of the word. We love him. Why? Because he first loved us. Yes, he's the one that loves us. Let them know that God loves you no matter what, unconditionally. Did you realize that God loves you no less or no greater now that he did before you were even saved? His love is a a powerful thing, and it does not rely. You know what they see, how our children see that love? When we let them know, and i'll talk about that in a moment that we love them no matter what that there's nothing in this world they can do yes they can hurt us they can disappoint us but we'll always love them i'll never forget one of my brothers i have five our head five brothers and two sisters one of my brothers who was just a mess he got into some drugs and alcohol and i remember uh that that one particular night there was a fire he was living in this apartment building and the place burned down he was almost killed but he was in jail And he was high and i remember my mother going to that cell and trying to tell her talk to her son telling him that she loved him you know what he did he cursed at her he didn't he was out of his head he truly regrets it now he's different but i'm just saying It was just a great illustration for me of the love of God. There's my mother. Tell me I still love you, no matter what. I love you. I don't agree with what you've done. I, I disapprove of what you've done, but I still love you. What a great picture that was of the love of God. So study the word of God. Study to show thyself approved unto God. So first of all, we should strive to build character. Character in the life of your your uh, daughter, your son. And then number two is consistency. In Ephesians 6, 4, it said, bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, By the way, uh, parents, inconsistency on our part, again, all of these things hinge on you and I living it before them. But inconsistency on our part, whether it be discipline or whatever, it breeds rebellion. Yeah, we keep telling them now you don't do that now don't do it don't do it again now uh, listen uh, this is the 10th time and i'm not going to tell you again and then we tell them keep telling them again that's that doesn't that doesn't teach we need to be consistent in our discipline consistent in our love consistent in every our strive to be i'll be the first to admit i've failed too many times to number but this is what we were to be and we're to train our children Bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. does it mean to nurture, to train, to discipline, to chasten, to correct? It implies the idea of training by action. Training by example. Model Christ in the home. That's one of the greatest things you and I can do. How are you when you come to church versus when you go home? How is the drive between here and there? Sometimes that can be a little bit of a battle. Sometimes there's some, I know, no one has any disagreements, right? Of course we do. We all will have disagreements. But what I'm saying is, are we modeling Christ in the car, in the home, as well as in church? And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 1, it says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Paul said, follow me, as long as I follow Christ. Can you say that to your son, your daughter? You follow me. I'm going to lead you in the right direction. I'll never forget the little story of a a fellow who, he wasn't saved, and he was um, pretty much an alcoholic. And he could not go hardly a day without getting some alcohol. And it was a cold winter night, and, and there was a lot of snow was on the ground, and he left the home. And he had a, oh, his son may have been about five years old. And as he was walking in the snow to the tavern, he heard something behind him. And he turned and he saw his little five-year-old boy trying to step in his father's footprints in the snow. Following him. And God broke his heart. He said, I don't want my son to do what I'm doing. I don't want my son to follow in my path. And that changed everything. He gave his heart to the Lord, and he uh, started being the example he should be. Father, whether you like it or not, you are setting an example. Moms, you are setting an example. Model Christ in the home. Apply the Word of God. James one twenty two. I alluded to that earlier. Uh, be doers of the Word, not just hearers only. Uh, it, it is important to know what God's Word says. That's true, but it's more important to do what God's Word says. I know some people that, I remember one fellow, he could quote almost the entire New Testament. I think he could. I think he got in a lot of the Old Testament. But he didn't live it. He, uh, he was not uh, the kind of husband he should be, not the kind of father he should have been. And, uh, and, and So it's not only important to know it, it's important to do it. And so apply the Word of God. We can, we can measure the effectiveness of our Bible study, of Uh, and by the time we put in the, the Word of God, by the effect it has on our behavior and our attitudes. Has the Bible affected, impacted you? I'll guarantee you it will, if you'll read it, study it, and apply it to your life. Be humble to the Word, James 4, 6. God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. You know what the cure for evil desires are? Humility. You see, pride makes us self-centered. Pride will lead us to conclude that we deserve what we see, we deserve what we touch, we deserve to have anything in this world just because we deserve it. That's pride. It creates greedy appetites. It wants more and far more than we really need. I remember taking food to a family years back and we we went into the home i was carrying a couple boxes of food and honestly it's one of the and i've been in i've worked on uh, farms of different kinds hogs cattle and all but this was far worse uh, the smell about knocked me over and um i but i walked in the house and the mice were running through there just playing all over the place walked into the kitchen to show where she wanted us to set the food down we had to brush cockroaches off the table my mom always said if you even have a dirt floor you can still be clean and that's true but uh, nonetheless we said i didn't say anything about that we set the food down and then the person said is that all we get you know they're, they're just they want more they are entitled to that you see that's greed that's pride and that's going to keep us off track from doing what god wants us to do when we are filled with the Spirit of God, we will realize that the world's seductive attractions and all that they have to offer, they're just cheap substitutes for what God really wants to give us. You want joy, peace, love? That's not found in the world. It's only found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And 1 John 1, 9, boy, what a wonderful verse that is. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? forgive forgive it goes on and say to cleanse us from all unrighteousness well i need to move along here pretty quickly look at listen to number three so we've talked about character consistency number three communication boy this is a big one not only is it important for husbands and wives and that it is definitely but it's also important in fact there's a verse in in um, I, th- I think it's second peter chapter 3 uh, verse 7 of it says, Likewise ye husbands, talking about their relationship with their wives, says dwell with them according to knowledge. But not only the wives, but the children. Do you know your son, your daughter? Do you know their friends? You say, well, I, I try not to uh, in, you know, infringe upon their privacy. No, mom, dad, you need to know who their friends are. You need to know where they're spending time. Children need, you know what children need? You know what, and I, I will insert teenagers. They're a different breed, right? So you're teenagers, you, you know, that, but you all, not only young, young people need guardrails in life. You ever, have you ever driven on a mountain road with no guardrails? It can be a little unnerving, especially it depends on who's driving, right? But, um, but guardrails gives you a, maybe a, some security. At least you know there's something there between me and that 1,000-foot drop-off. Um, and that's kind of what discipline, rules, give our young people, some guardrails. They'll know that they're there for my good to keep me from, from plunging over here into disaster. And so communicate with them. Getting to know your children. Get to know their world. Get to know their interests and their goals. That's not going to happen unless you sit down and talk with them talk with him get to know them and then guiding a child to see from God's perspective I remember one of the criticisms I would hear often you know in our area when we started homeschooling our children uh, it was not a very common thing back then especially in our area and people would look at us like we have we're abusing our children you're homeschooling your children uh, well won't, they'll never know how to relate with people they uh you know won't know how to communicate and and but you know I, my my thinking is our children should not be learning from the kids in the halls at school how to relate with one another they should be learning from mom and dad they should be learning from the word of god that's much much greater uh, and by the way you know when you you know teaching your kids character teaching them to say yes sir no sir Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Teaching them to, be, to look someone in the eye when they're talking to them. To shut off that phone. Not to be rude. To give that person, that whoever it is, whether they're poor, rich, boss, or just a, a someone at school, giving them their attention. That's important. Just teaching character. Well, And then talking about guiding them and, and, and to teaching them God's perspective. Teaching them that God cares for them. Teach them that they can cast all their care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Teach them how to handle disappointments. Assure them that, again, you are on their team. You're on their side. Hey, you mess up, son? I, I'm, I'm disappointed. I, there's going to have to be some consequences to these actions. But I want you to know, my love for you is not going to change. I still love you. I love you. Assure them that you're on their team. Help them discover what God is teaching them in in that situation they're in. Try to guide them to see what God may be doing in their life, looking from God's perspective. Get them to see how Jesus Christ would respond in a situation like this. Help them to see uh, God is sovereign in, in every circumstance. And then let me get to my last point. Number four. Character we've talked about, consistency, communication. Number four is chastisement. Oh, this is a good one. Yeah. Uh, Everybody loves that, right? No, we don't like that. Uh, Now, I I won't ask you to raise your hand, but I'll I'll raise my hand. I am thankful for a mother and father who disciplined me. I'm thankful that they had rules. Now, at the time, I may have grumbled and complained, but now that I'm older, hopefully a little bit wiser, I can look back and say, you know what, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for those guardrails that was in my life, kept me from making bad decisions. You know, it gives your your kids a chance to say, you know what, my mom doesn't want me to do that, my dad doesn't want me to do that. You say, well, that's not good enough. Well, that's a good start. That gives them something at least to go on to tell their friends, I can't do that because my parents, now one day the goal is that they'll get to the place, no, I can't do that because God doesn't want me to do that. It's wrong according to the word of God. I can do it, but I've, or I choose not to do it because I want to obey the Lord, want to please him. And so chastisement is needed. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen: foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Isn't it amazing, those of us who are a little older, isn't it amazing how smart we were when we were teenagers? I mean, we just knew everything, didn't we? And uh, now we we think, boy, I'm still learning. I haven't even learned much, and uh, I, I'm just saying. Sometimes, because the child is younger, and I would even include some of you teenagers, you haven't experienced the things in life. You don't have the wisdom uh, of walking with God as your uh, hopefully your godly parents do, and um, you need to uh, listen to them. and And it takes sometimes some ch- chastisement. Young people often do foolish and dangerous things because they simply just don't understand the consequences. Children, especially, wisdom and, and common sense are not transferable. They're not, in fact, even by a good example, that's not enough. Um, as Brother Anderson mentioned in Sunday school, it must be taught. You must teach them those things. Um, and Proverbs twenty-nine, fifteen: the rod and rep- and reproof give wisdom but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame you know as parents we grow weary don't we of disciplining our children uh sometimes our child maybe three years old and thinks his first name is no because that's all he hears right and we grow weary he said oh, i'm just it seems like i'm always telling them no i'm always telling them not to do this i'm always disciplining them and and uh, but i want to encourage you today don't grow weary in disciplining your children you know, it seems that maybe all you're doing, you seem like you're nagging and scolding and whatever. But when you're tempted to give up, when you're tempted to let them go and to do what they want to do, and you wonder if maybe by your discipline, are you ruining any chance you have of having a relationship with them? I want to encourage you. Don't think that's not true. Not at all. Uh, You know, that firm discipline, it helps them learn. Without it, they're not going to learn they need that a loving discipline will ultimately teach them to discipline themselves we all could stand and testify of undisciplined people children who are undisciplined but I'm talking about they grow into adults don't they and boy we nothing worse than a, an adult man or woman who has no discipline it's one thing to see a two-year-old throw a temper tantrum, but to see a grown man—and I've seen it—it's embarrassing. You know, someone ought to just go whoop him. Something. You know, he needs some help, but he had no discipline, and that is important, parents. Consistent, loving discipline is going to help uh, teach them to discipline themselves. The reason chastisement is needed, you know why? Because your children were born with a sin nature. You don't have to teach a child to do wrong. That comes natural. But you do have to teach them to do right. They're born with a sin nature, and the thing that's going to help guide them and direct them is discipline. If you would, uh, take your Bibles and turn over to Hebrews chapter 12, real quickly. We're just going to read a couple verses there. Hebrews 12, verse 5. uh, Effective chastisement here. And I, I am going to read it quickly. Uh, but it says there, uh, My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor uh, faint when thou art rebuked of him, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. And scourgeth every son whom he receiveth, if he endure chastening. God dealeth with you, dealeth with you as with sons, for what son is he whom the Father uh, chasteth not? And I, I just want to talk about this, about discipline. And then I'm done with these points in order for there to be effective discipline there must be an absence of anger you say preacher did you always do that no yeah, you know sometimes we get mad and we react real too quick but uh, that should be the the most i'm saying effective discipline absence of anger if you you know your blood pressure is pretty high right at that point you need to calm down and you need to uh, gather yourself and then come with the absence of anger there must be a foundation of love remember we're to love we're to show that child we love them and the purpose for chastising um, for is correction to help them be the man the woman of God that God wants them to be so pray for wisdom and love and patience and remember remember these truths they are not your Children, they belong to God. The state, in some states, I'm not sure how it is in Nebraska, but there are some states that say, hey, those children belong to the state. I disagree 100%. No, they don't. You, parent, uh, should have that authority, but remember, they do belong to God. And what you're doing, how you're training them, you're going to give an answer for. Psalm 127, verse 3, Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord. They're a gift from God and the fruit of the womb is the his reward so they need to be what god wants them to be i've seen parents who say i want my children to be close to us i don't want them to leave our area maybe 10 miles that's about it now that would be great if all of my children were that close and all the grandkids we would love it but not really because if they're not doing the will of god boy it could be a mess so be, don't, don't hold them. Our goal is to get them to the place just like that bird. To get them to the nest, at the edge of the nest where they give them a little shove and they begin to fly on their own. We're to t- teach them and train them to go out there, to stand on their own two legs. To live for God with their own uh, uh, discipline and, and convictions from the word of God. Well, let me close with this little poem about legacy. She could not give her children gold. So she gave them faith to have and hold. She could not give them royal birth, a name renowned throughout the earth. But she gave them seeds and gar- garden spot and shade trees when the sun was hot. She could not give a silver spoon or servants waiting night and noon. She gave them love and a listening ear and told them God was always near. She could not give them ocean trips, abroad majestic sailing ships, but she gave them books and quiet time. Adventures found in prose and rhyme. She could not give them worldly things, but what she gave them was fit for kings. For with her faith and books and sod, she made each child aware of God. Let's every every head bowed and every eye closed. I know the message this morning has been primarily to the Christians, to parents, but friends,